Hello and welcome back to the Red Sector, a podcast about speedy motorbikes. On today's episode, we break down a wild weekend in one category at Porta Mile. I am your host, Matt Polanski. With me, as always, is the creator of the Red Sector MotoGP podcast, Josh Wilson. Josh, how are you doing today, bud? Yeah, good. Um, bittersweet, as it was a penultimate round. Um, mm-hmm. One last one to go this weekend. Uh, very going to be a very sad one. Of course, we all know mm-hmm. why. Um, yeah, it was uh, it one of the most exciting weekends. I think we all kind of knew it it wouldn't be amazing. And mm-hmm. let's just say it was uh, for something we will discuss in, in later in the episode. It wasn't um, for all the wrong reasons. It was it was uh, it was exciting mm-hmm. at times. It was so yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and of course, with us, as always, is the walking, talking MotoGP encyclopedia, Bono GP. Bono, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing very well. I am the same as Josh. In I'm kind of I am looking forward to breaking to uh, the the weekend down, but at the same time, for the sake of um, a certain rider's reputation on this podcast, it could go quite south. But we'll just have to see, I guess. But yeah, looking forward to getting into it. Yeah, so uh, we're going to start this episode off like we do with every episode with the news. And this week, the big news coming into Portimount was that Mark Marquez would miss this race. Um, He was doing some enduro racing, fell, hit his head, and suffered a concussion. Um, It has since come out, we're recording this uh, November November 9th, um, that he will not be taking part in the Valencia race or the Jerez tests. Um, so yeah, this is not something, yeah, just a bump on the head. This is something serious guys. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah. I mean, for anybody that is new to MotoGP might know or might not know, I don't know if they've seen it on Twitter, but what Marquez was originally out with was concussion and then due to further tests now has a i don't know what you want to class it as but let's just say a medical condition classed as diplopia which is basically double vision so mark suffered from this in 2011 um and actually lost the moto 2 title to stefan bradle that year and basically then was dangerously warned that he might not race again let alone see properly again um which just which does actually go to show how like the extent of the the injury that he's now been kind of given well if you like um been diagnosed with so i don't know about josh but i see this as i, I don't want to but i do see this as a lot more serious than maybe what people see on the eye no pun intended um but yeah it's it's a very serious matter and i'm fingers crossed that everything will be all right and we'll get to see him next year but it's not a given. With something like that, it's definitely not a given. Yeah, it's um, it's quite concerning, really. Uh, being he's out for Portugal, Valencia. Did you say the Hereth tests as well? Yeah, whenever um, I got on the MotoGP website, it said that he was missing the Jerez test too. So yeah, that's a a good stint out, and it'll uh, it's again because it's. There has been previous kind of a previous incident and some history with it. It's it is concerning, um, really. Hopefully, if he has the winter off, 
things might improve. Um, and then I guess we'll we'll probably know before testing next season the kind of long and short of it. Um, but obviously we need him in the sport really, and it'd be a tragic if if he was to never race again. Worst case scenario. Um, but yeah, it he's needed in the sport, and in all honesty, it'd be it'd be less of a sport if he wasn't in it. Especially because it really is still in his prime, I'd say. Um, obviously, injury not with not notwithstanding, but yeah, it'd be it'd be a hell of a shame. Yeah, I mean, what? Yo, that's looking worst case scenario. Hopefully, you know he's gonna have. You know, luckily this is towards the end of the season, so really he's only gonna miss two races. Um, and yeah, some testing, but you know, it's, it's not as bad as if like, you know, he'd been in here the whole, in, you know, the, the paddock, the whole season was battling for a championship and then this kind of stuff happens. So yeah, you hate to see stuff like this happen. You know, is it at least this way he does, he's not trying to rush himself back. He's not trying to be like, well, let me. Let me get through this because he's you know, he tried rushing back from you know, the arm issue last season. You know, he this time he's, you know, thinking more clearly is like, let me take this off. Let me take these two races and the testing off, recover over the winter, and then come back next season even stronger. So Yeah, at least he's being smart about it. He's not trying to push it and come back and, you know, do the Dennis Onshu thing where he's like, Oh well, I'll race and then, you know, you know, reveal later. Yeah, I was dealing with this while racing. Yeah, I think as well from last year, if, if Honda and, you know, Alberto Puige, Mark himself, everybody, even like, even like his family, if they've learned anything is, you know, let's, let's not bother risking flying back into something when there's a slight chance. Even if it, the chances have increased the slightest bit to return and then get injured again or to put himself in more harm. What's the point? Because they tried that last year with the arm, like you said, they, and to be honest with you, I remember at the time thinking, I, I did actually say to my dad when it happened, I was like, I think he'll try and come back, whether he'll be able to or not. I think he'll try. And everybody was under the impression of like, there's no way after snapping your arm like that, there's no way. But Marquez being Marquez, he was always going to try. In my opinion, he was always mm -hmm. going to at least give it a go. And thankfully, when he did go out and try, he didn't, you know, go bullet a gate and end up injuring himself. But this just, again, it just goes to show that with this concussion, if he wouldn't have had that, or maybe if he'd have brushed it off and not gone to see anybody and, you know, sort of got away with it, he would have not had the, the chance to have the further tests to show the diplopia. So... Mm -hmm being responsible and smart about it and pulling away from the concussion has actually bettered himself because he's actually been able to point out, well, not him, but like, you know what I mean? He's been able to find out that this is being pointed out as, look, you've got this again. I know he probably would have seen it coming on himself, but it's not something that you can just self-diagnose. So thankfully, because of the concussion, he's actually been able to get further tests, which hopefully does also mean that he's stopped any further injury from happening as well you don't know what else he could have had from racing with a concussion because let's not forget he had concussion 
less than a week well over a week ago but it got announced less than a week ago so he's, he's still recovering from that he's still recovering from the arm like josh said and he also has this with with the eye now so it's it's a lot but i would rather him be out for let's say a combined two years and then come back and be safe than keep trying to ride with injuries that you cannot ride with i'd rather see that mm. well just me personally but yeah, Josh. Yeah, um, nothing much more to add, really. Apparently, he's damaged the same nerve, which he damaged in 2011, which Ooh. that's the kind of main question mark. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, not much more to add, really, on that one. It's Hopefully, we'll see him round one next season in Qatar. It's just very, you know, <laughs> nerves are one thing anywhere in the body. I mean near your spinal cord nerves are you know you're talking basically what we could see it as is like rocket science aren't you you're not talking like a quick mm-hmm. you know just cut him open and sort it out sort of job it's it's a whole different thing with nerves but nerves behind the eye like pfft. obviously he'll have the best of the best treatment but you can have mm-hmm. the best of the best treatment with stuff like that it's you know it's literally life-changing stuff when you get to that sort of injury. So I am just begging and praying that he... No, even if he doesn't race again, I hope the guy comes out the other end safe and sound. Do you know what I mean? I'd rather him turn around and say, I'm not going to race again, but I'm all right, than say, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm pretty much there and I'm going to race. I'd rather him do that, but hopefully we can get the best of both worlds and he can be safe and sound by the end of the year, get a pre-season sort of thing in and um, be fully fit and ready for Qatar, like Josh said. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, the only other part of news coming into this weekend that actually start, uh, happened during free practice was we got a new camera in MotoGP. Um, Ooh, yeah, it was yeah. during yeah. free practice one. Um, this camera angle came out. Rins tested it, where basically you're looking from his left shoulder. Um, they were showing uh, as he was riding, you could almost see it like, this little black spot in his mm. shoulder area. And, uh, you know, social media went ape shit over this because everyone was saying how cool it looked and how much it showed what the riders are doing with their hands and <clears throat> how much are really throwing themselves out around the bike. Um, as much hype as it got from like people on social media, apparently the teams aren't that like fond of it yet because it shows too much of the cockpit area you know they're worried about hmm? they attached it to rins because i thought he was <laughs> yeah. in the first corner so not much was shown probably they're like ah, he'll bend it early well uh, the, another thing they were worried it wasn't going to make it the whole way around the track okay because apparently the they had to make the antenna for this camera and stick it in the hump in his back oh right yeah and they were worried that it wasn't going to pick up the signal the whole way around the track. So they were anticipating like losing it on the back half of the track and then not getting it back until he came around to come down the front straightaway. But it's kind of yeah. mad though, isn't it? Like technology wise, how far, how far mm-hmm. that sort of, it does kind of interest me in a way just simply because I saw Neil Hodgson put something on Twitter and I think it was, I forget now, my memory's gone, but he put a, a tweet up 
about an old rider with like a camera that was strapped to his helmet, yeah, like duct tape around it. And they were like, <laughs> oh, like how far things have come. But but even like now, like we always think that, you know, like onboard cameras to me, I, I actually love watching, even if it's like the rear camera, the front camera or whatever, I, I do genuinely love it. And just this kind of just came out of the blue. And again, everyone took to it so well. But mm-hmm. the only thing I've got with it, and it's not necessarily me, is I can see there being a line drawn with teams saying, hang on a minute, because we might have something on the dash that's a little bit, you know, yeah, and that's, secretive and we don't want yeah. that to be seen. And that's where the teams are kicking back on this. And basically, um, I, I forget what podcast I heard this on. It was either Paddock Pass or The Race. But the guy in charge of, like, um, all the camera feeds and everything and who was, like, trying to push for the he's trying to push this shoulder camera because he hates the rear camera because it doesn't show as much other than the rider's ass for half the time. <laughs> this camera would show more of them, how much they actually move, how much they're leaning, but the teams are kicking back because you've got the co- you've got the screen. So there could be sensitive information on there. You've got buttons, you've got levers that, you know, maybe manufacturer specific. So they're worried that by having this camera, they could lose their competitive edge. And uh, somebody brought up the point of like getting the uh, privacy screen, like that um, mm. stuff you put on your laptop or your cell phone. So yeah, like or, you or have to simply pixelate screen, right? Which is possible. Yeah. Cause um, um, Mercedes, I know in F1 because the, uh, of all the cockpit cameras they have, they've actually blurred out stuff at times. Mm. Mm. It, there are challenges to it. I, I've, I'm surprised they went with a, a shoulder one. I thought maybe they're gonna go more the helmet cam route, but like the driver's eye and Formula yeah, E and Formula like One. That. But it, yeah, it, it's quite interesting to see it from a shoulder point of view. I, th- um, I think a helmet cam would be hard in MotoGP because, like in F1. You have the earbuds, you have all mm. the wires coming down into their suits, where with MotoGP, you'd almost have to have a wire coming out of their helmet into the hump on their back. Yeah. It's definitely, I mean, years to come, I think, with stuff like that, but it's definitely not mm-hmm. unrealistic to think like that. They've just got to make it way... And I, I, the big thing with me with the camera on the helmet or anywhere near the head for me is the fact that in F1, if you do crash with that on, yes, you've got, you know, like the G force, the force against the wall and everything, but you're not, you know, if you were to fall off on a bike and you've got a camera that's anywhere near the face and your mm-hmm. mate, your first impact is there. Worst comes to worse. You need to think of it like that because of safety. Yeah. That, yeah. Is that going to have an effect on the rider? Yeah, if it, you I, know, think... cr- I, I just remember the, the Schumacher thing, because that's what they said about him, isn't it? That when he crashed, um, when he crashed skiing or whatever, he had like a GoPro on or whatever, and obviously the helmet is what saved him. But like, mm-hmm. I think he, I think I've read somewhere, and I, I think because of the Schumacher incident, I think it's actually now mandatory at like bike track days and whatnot that you you cannot have like a GoPro anywhere near your helmet or anything since then because mm. I'm pretty sure it's like well rumored so to speak that since his crash they found out that apparently that there was some form of camera and the contact with the head and the camera 
is what actually like dug in as well as obviously what he crashed into. Um, right. And it's all since then. I mean, obviously, we're talking what? When did he have his crash? Like 2013? Yeah, 2013. I think so. You know, we, we've moved on a bit from then. Yeah. But you do. Have, it sounds pessimistic, but you, you have to think. I think worst case yeah. I think like event technology will come to the point where I think that the cameras are built in to the helmets without compromising the safety of the helmet. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, they're specifically designed and built with a camera installed or with, with some kind of slot. That a camera can go into inside the helmet. That seems to yeah. be the end goal, really. Um, and the same with suits, because at the moment it's literally just finding a little space in the suit, putting a putting a camera in there, and it would be the same with the helmet. But obviously, technology will progress to the point where it's all in, inbuilt, built in. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, we have the technology idea. now where you know, even like ten years ago, kind of linked to what I've just said with the the Schumacher thing. I don't think 10 years ago we'd have had the facility to have as good a camera or even a camera at the time 10 years ago at the best quality that small in a rider's suit. I think it would have had to have been bigger, chunkier, and then it would be saying, well, we're just not going to do that. It's pointless. So even in like a 10 years space of time, you know, like to say that we've got that sort of technology now, I mean, I, I loved it. I, I quite liked the... Um, just the adjustments that Rins was making during just free practice, you know what I mean? Like mm. with the ride height device and all like the just gizmos and gadgets all across the the front the front of the bike. But and I don't mean to sound I know we have a running joke with Rins and whatnot, but it would have been kind of crazy to watch if he did crash with that yeah, on because that's yeah. that's another that you know, that's mm. another breed of camera angle. Because we always see um, once they've been declared as, you know, they're all right and everything, we sometimes see the onboard crashes of the bikes. It's like, it's crazy because you're like, oh my God, like that bike's been battered. But you obviously, we've never had an angle where you're a part of the rider. So you don't see how that happens. Like imagine when mm-hmm. we get to a point where we are on board with somebody's shoulder cam and they, and they you know, they high side yeah. or they, even if it's just like a low, a low side thing, just to get the reality of the speed entering the gravel trap, like, I don't know that mm. that that would be kind of mad. Obviously, I'm not advocating people to go out and <laughs> crash, but um, that will happen one day. I mean, is he running it in Valencia? I don't because obviously BT don't get as much intel in terms of like Dorna stuff as what you would watch Matt on the video pass. Because obviously, people you watch on the video pass, Matt Dorna, the likes of, or mm-hmm. are Dorna employees. So if there's anything that comes out of Dorna in that regard, you are probably more inclined to hear about it as opposed to me and Josh. So I don't know if he is. Yeah, he they money? haven't. They haven't said anything about when the next time we'll see that camera angle is. Mm. So, yeah, it'll be one of those things. Whenever it just randomly pops up, we'll. That's when we'll find out where. Yeah. Oh my god! Imagine if they put it on Rossi for next week for this this weekend. Oh, oh my god! The rundown. The rundown lap. The rundown lap with that camera would be. Oh my god, that'd be something to treasure. That would. It does make sense. Yeah. <laughs> but let's not get. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not going to get emotional. So let's get. Let's get on to. Yeah, we'll save the emotional for next week. <laughs> yeah, quickly. Um, on the end of news, just before we get into the racing, just as I mentioned off air. Um, for anybody interested in Moto Three news, Adrian Fernandez, the brother of Ralph Fernandez, is moving to Tech Three, basically taking mm-hmm. the spot of um Sasaki. So it'll be Onchu and. 
Fernandez next year, and then Holgado, who was provisionally meant to be in that team with Dennis, has now been upgraded, if you like, to the IO team with Messia. So that's that's our news yep. for any. Uh, I was going to say driver market, but I'm so used to hearing that with <laughs> rider F1 movement. And, yeah, rider market, if you like. Um, trying to think of the is anything else that's been confirmed really. Nothing in the last few days that nobody would not have seen. So that's kind mm-hmm. of kind of it, really. I mean, it's becoming more and more apparent that Antonelli will get the Moto2 spot as opposed to Mino for what we kind of know now as Bezeki is looking more and more likely to go to GP next to yep. Marini. So it's sort of, again, just the, the classic shuffle down thing of when one person moves, another one does. And, mm. you know, looking like Mino mm-hmm. another year in... In Moto three, which is interesting because he's been there for quite some time now, but um, maybe he'll get a move if Vietti the following year gets moved to GP. You never know. VR forty six will take over the paddock at one point, so they'll be the next IO. <laughs> yeah. So uh, speaking of Moto three, we're gonna hold that to the end of the show because we have a lot to talk about with that one. Uh, so first, we're gonna talk Moto two. Uh, Remy Gardner won, followed by Raul Fernandez and Sam Lowe's. Uh, yeah, so Remy holds on to the championship title. Um, you know, we get we at least get one class taking it to Valencia since somewhat. You know, yeah, um, I really don't see like it, like we were talking about uh, on Sunday. This is going to be one of those championships where it's either Remy outpaces everyone or he falls off and Raul gets it that way. Yeah, I can only see a Nicky Hayden style championship win for Raul. Mm-hmm. I can't see. I It sounds like I'm talking obvious, but in other classes or maybe any other team, which is what I was saying on Sunday when we were all watching it, if it was any other team than the IO team, that mm-hmm. were, you know, say if the IO team were just not in the championship, I would say maybe Sam Lowe's, for example, might drop down to below 15th. You never know, he might crumble. But genuinely, with that IO team, if if Remy Gardner took his dad ran on that race on the back of his bike, he probably could still get second. <laughs> like, genuinely, the bike is so much better than every other bike that mm-hmm. no discredit in the riders, but clearly there is something more with that bike that makes that bike... Yeah. It's just so hard to imagine Remy not finishing P1 or 2. Like, at worst, like a P5. Do you know what I mean? Like, even look at Austria. Can you remember the race in Austria where he just couldn't... He was nowhere near it, and he just never really fought his way through when everybody expected him to? I think he got, like, 7th or 6th, and everyone was like, God, that's awful. And to think that that's awful. He can finish 7th at Valencia and still win easily the char- the title. So... Remy's got to do something drastically wrong. Or the, the the most likely way of Remy not winning the title is getting taken out, not having a bad performance. Because, again, like I think a bad performance is not even below 10th, which he'd still win the title with. So Raul's probably going to be bribing his compatriots oh, yeah. to uh, do a number on Remy, maybe, if he's uh, <laughs> doing any dirty work. But, no, I, I, I don't know about you two, but... I can't see. It's going to Valencia, whoop de woo, but I can't really see anything other than what seems to be the inevitable. Yeah, I agree. Um, obviously, it's not beyond the 
realms of possibility uh Gardner having a, an off as we saw him have uh, um America but I think you know Fernandez has, has got just as much chance of falling off as Gardner so really I just cannot yeah I just can't see um I can't see Fernandez finishing as a championship like leader or the winning the championship basically mm-hmm. um it does look like a formality now um and it's like I said it's due to what happened in motor 3 it's a shame really because with this race we kind of wanted to maybe see Raul win um and Gardner finish I don't know second third or fourth or something just so it was a bit tighter going into Valencia but hey ho at least we have one going into Valencia which we've kind of got to be thankful for so um yeah What's your opinion on it, Matt, as the IO man yourself? I say <laughs> IO man, the KTM man, but let's be honest. Right, the, the, the Red IO Bull guy. <laughs> um, I mean, it's it's almost a foregone conclusion. Uh, like, I, I was looking, there's 23 points between the two of them. Remy has 305, Raul has 282. For Raul to win this, he would have to win the race and Remy would have to finish below, like, 15th place. So either crash or do just god-awful. What's the point difference? 23. Yeah, so Remy can finish 14th or lower, yep. and then Raul champion, I think. Yeah. Yeah, He so he'd either have to fall off or just have a god-awful race, which Remy on that bike is not going to happen. And can can you just tell me, Matt, how many times, barring crashes, that Remy has finished a race this year and it be below 14th? Because I can tell you without looking at any screen. None. Well, yeah, it's been none. In nil he's either, <laughs> yeah, he's either been like in the top 10 or fallen off. Exactly. So, I don't know, like, never say never for the sake of the show, but... If it gets dramatized going in as like, oh, you know, Remy versus Raul, then I don't know. It's it's gonna everyone's gonna be like, oh, it's a bit dead. It's like, well, yeah, it's gonna be if they're gonna amp it up to be this mega, you know, down to the wire fight when Raul could like Remy could literally be second and then like do a Schumacher and just pull through. I don't know why Schumacher's come into the conversation twice now. Like <laughs> do a Schumacher and just pull into the pits on the last lap and just do a drive like, do a ride through. And still win a title. Yeah, I mean, really, not hoping for anything bad to happen to Remy, but we do need him to have a really have a mechanical failure or crash. But Fernandez still have to finish first. So the only way it can be there can be a bit of drama is if, say, Sam Lowe's or Kana or Vizeki are in the mix for the first spot. Because of course Gardner and Fernandez fighting for the win, that won't actually solve that won't do anything for the championship. So that's kinda of what you're gonna to have to be aiming, looking out for. Um but I just don't think that will happen personally. So um... So I pulled up <clears throat> Remy's placements for this year. Second, second, third, fourth, second, first, 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 second. Fourth, seventh, first, second, Austria. second, fell seventh. off in America. Uh, uh, Mizano 
last race seventh and then first. Did I say seventh for Austria? <clears throat> a minute ago. Austria and uh, yeah, Austria and second Mazzano were seventh. Yeah, I mean, he obviously only trickled along to the Mizano one because he was like, oh, well, Raul's crashed, so I guess I'll just... I guess I basically won it. <laughs> then went to um, America. Did we go to America before that or after that? I can't even remember. I don't know. But either way, yeah. Um, the actual race itself, though, because I know we've gotten to Moto2 and then just kind of diverted completely away from the actual race. Yeah. We've kind of just spoken about the championship. Um, general thoughts. I don't know. I I wouldn't say it was like a. I, th- I think anything looks like a bit of a ball fest alongside Moto Three, having seen what's happened in Moto Three. But I don't know. I, I was I was amazed how much tires came into that. I didn't think they'd come that much into the race, really. Yeah. Um. Just looking at Bezeki drop down. On the uh, standings or the leaderboard, he ended up finishing eighth. Yeah, he could not uh, get that bike stop, yeah. could he? In the last five no, laps, no, I mean, he was, he was, was he hunting down Fernandez or Gardner at one point in second? Yeah, he was um, second, and that looked quite interesting. Actually, it looked like he could be a little bit of a, a wild card into the mix, um, and then he just dropped back. And then there was Sam Lowe's who was at the end hunting down Fernandez. And then, of course, the interesting thing is, give it a couple of more laps. He could have well, he could have yeah. overtook Fernandez, and that would have been the championship over. So, um, oh yeah, I mean, he finished of, eight tenths behind him. Yeah. So, as a kind of a, a British fan, it was bittersweet in a way because we obviously wanted to see Sam Lowe's kind of make up for the him crashing out last time round at Portugal, and a second would have been better than a third. But then it's kind of like, well, he's got a third. Um, let the championship roll on at least for another for another another week and just keep you third rather than think ah oh, go on Sam get second because yeah it's a tough one but I'm I'm kind of glad he, he got a podium so, good uh, result yeah I'm happy yeah with massive that. result mm-hmm. um, so it was in, it was good to see it was a it was a good race even though it was a bit a bit dull it was good to see the likes of Bovier do well you know get him a yep. fifth place that's that's awesome that result for him that's the confidence he's probably getting from that's massive. Um, obviously, see the two boss. Here we go. I'm going to butcher it now. Bosca Scoro, <laughs> 21 bikes again, both in the top ten. Considering they're meant to be pretty wank, <laughs> you know. Honestly, it's um, you know, is that so is it, that the official bio of the Bosca Scoro yeah, yeah. bike this year? <laughs> pretty <laughs> wank. <laughs> I'm not meant to swear on this podcast, but it's true. It's true. It's it's <laughs> Portugal. We've waited long enough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you know and... what? It, it, it's um, it was a, it was a pretty good, a pretty good race. Unless you were Joe Roberts. Yeah. Or Jay Dixon. <laughs> yeah, but Joe Joe Roberts has a lot bigger expectation than mm. Jake Dixon based on the the team I mean... that is in the results last year. <laughs> Mind you, he also what didn't he break his collar? Yeah, he broke that in Mazzano. So he's probably still recovering. You mm. say that, but Jake actually nearly like was it his ankle or is his wrist? I think it was his wrist. He like snapped completely in half last year at Valencia. Then didn't race at 
Portimao because he snapped his wrist. Got told he might not be ready for the next, the start of next year. He wasn't ready for the next year, and been has been racing all year, basically waiting to get operated on that that wrist again. So Jake's basically riding with a, a dodgy wrist mm. and finished a second. And I will I will sing this till the cows come home that he finished 1.1 seconds off of Fabio at Aragon in FP3 or qualifying or something. And <laughs> and still didn't get a ride over a particular rider, Individual. which we will get to. I'm, I'm, pr- I'm hoping Dixon's wrist is in a good enough state for next season that he's somewhat competitive. He's on a gas but... gas next year, which is basically a rebranded Calex, which is which is good. Yeah, that well, that that's obviously a, a bonus that he's kind of sticking with a, a decent bike. So fingers crossed for him. Um, another one I want to mention quickly because um, we've not really mentioned him ever in this podcast, um, and it's Baldessari. I was literally looking at his really? name when he said that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I don't know what people were expecting from him this season, <sighs> but. I don't know, because I don't know, again, that MV Augusta. Um... That bloke has got so many questions around his name, because at one point, was it 20, I want to say 2019, at the start of the year, he won like two or three races, and he genuinely was the next guy, the next Italian guy that was like, he's the next, you know, Rossi bunch that's coming up. There was no question of like Marini or anybody below that. It was, you know, Baldessari. And then all of a sudden, his results dropped off, and then he got dropped from VR46 at the end of the year, then lost his pond seat and has gone to MV Augusta. And I'll be honest with you, I think if I, I think if he's in the paddock beyond 2022 on current form, mm. I'll be amazed. But it is crazy <laughs> because he was he was kind of expected to come into last year's season as Moto2 World Ta- Champion or you know, whatever, but either way, being MotoGP. Yeah. He's now scraping, he's I mean, below scraping the barrel in Moto2. As well as that, who, again, who who did we have come up from Moto3? So we had Fernand, Raul Fernandez came up this season. We had mm-hmm. Vietti, um, Arbolino, Ayagora, and Arenas. Obviously, we just forgot mm. the world champion. <laughs> um, I think they're the five. If memory serves me right, and they, I mean the other five. I mean, other than Fernandez and Ayagora putting in the odd of being semi consistent, I think it hasn't been the best kind of rookie season. No, um, I mean you say that, but it is hard because you've got a comparison there of Raúl Fernandez, who's on an outstanding bike and took to it mm, like a duck to water. I mean, but, I was, uh, yeah, I was going to discount. Fernandez, yeah, it, but at the same time, Arbolino's had the odd result, and Vietti mm. has genuinely got better every week. I yeah, think, I mean, Vietti this weekend finished where sixth, sixth, I think he finished this weekend. I've just got the qualifying things in front of me, I haven't got the race, but mm. um, I know, I, I do know what you mean, yeah, I do know what you mean, yeah, but, he finished um, sixth, yeah, I think personally, I think next year, touch wood for Vietti. I think he will be a podium contender week in, week out. 
I think Arbolino on the VDS next year will be one to look out for. Arenas on that gas gas, depending on what you know package they kind of turn up with, could be improved. Um, Ayagora, he, he's had amazing results. I think he's finished. Did he finish on the podium at Austria? If memory serves me right. Um, on that bike, that bike is. I'll be honest with you. You, you say the Bosco score is bad, but. The Honda Team Asia bike has always been in the lower rankings of the Moto2 mm. grid. But yeah. um, I, I know what you mean. I think it's been a mixed bag. I think some some people, yeah, some weeks th- have been on top form for where they are, but some, some weeks they've just gone missing. I think that that's the issue with, like you said, with Fernandez coming in. It's just yeah shadowed everyone else. And... It's like you look at the rookies in Moto3 and you're probably like, oh, Artigas has not done great. It's like, well, yeah, you've got a Costa that's just won the... Just yeah. won that, and it's like you know, um, it it's hard. I think it's it's well known as well that let's not forget the Moto three to Moto two jump is notoriously the hardest mm. jump. Um, and to say that you know if you've even challenged in the top ten for Moto two in your rookie year, I think you know that's a very good result if you've challenged yeah. there. Um, but again, Raul's so hard to even compare to because that package this year, I, I've never seen in Moto2, other than Marquez, when we were speaking to um, Fran about favourite livery, she mentioned the Marquez, didn't she, Matt? She, me- she mentioned the Marquez mm. Moto2 livery. And I remember saying, every time I look at that bike, I just remember how dominant it was. And we are going to look back on this year at 2021 and when we go in five ten years time and say oh who was in that team and he's like remy garden ralph Fernandez. Like, ah, and yeah. if you remember that year you will be like oh my god that year was insane like in it's terms of true. how good that team was i don't mm-hmm. think we'll ever see both riders in one team in moto 2 i don't think you'll see as as dominant probably in, for, for years and years to come Mm. years i've never seen anything like it in an intermediate class for both to be that good yeah and that weird. far just, superior and both like, like one's experience one's brand new it was like almost like a mirror of a a stoner pedrosa kind of era or you know like a rossi lorenzo where you've yeah. got these two riders who who kind of just dominate really yeah. um <laughs> yeah it's interesting on the Ayagora quickly, I think he's got he's got a bit more leeway in the in the sense that obviously once Taka kind of retires or has moved aside, they always like to have a, a Japanese in at least mm-hmm. one Japanese in MotoGP. So he's he's got a you know the, he's he's got potential and he's got enough opportunity and he's impressed in the first season overall. So I think if he if he kind of put knuckles down and gets a consistent decent performance next season i think in 2023 we could well see him yeah on that, uh, I've, on the yeah I've, I've mentioned it a few times i think yeah, 2022 are, yeah. is a bigger year for for japan in terms of that that what we're talking about um than, than what people probably notice it is i think if nakagami whether the bike's up there or not if, i think if if he doesn't get on the podium next year I think they'll turn around and say, "Well, you've had your chance." Um, mm. Because you know. for for a for a kind of sport that's so Jap- Japanese dominated in terms of Yamaha, Suzuki, um, Honda, it, 
Japanese. I mean, when was the last Japanese MotoGP winner? MotoGP um, winner would have been. Yeah. I think I've mentioned this a few weeks ago. I yeah, think it did. was. Um, I don't know if it was Tamada. Did Tamada win? Tamada. It might have been either Tamada. Nakano didn't win. Hurrah! No, Yukawa maybe. I'm not sure because you've got to think I'm... even even discounting that you've got to think like the last yeah. consistent multiple winner. Um, it was 2003. I remember it. I think the Japanese are crying out the desperate. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, just you like are right. we are as Brits for and Americans are, but I think because of the involvement Japan has. Yeah, that's what I mean. Really... I think because of the I mean the factories they've got in Japan and Jesus, like you know Honda in Japan is like. I can't even compare it to, and you can't compare it to anything in the UK. You know, there's, there's not, you can't even say like, oh, is it like Aston Martin? No, no, it's it's literally times that by a hundred thousand, mm. and you might have what Honda is in Japan, or for cars, you know, just just for cars, like how many people drive day to day with a Honda, or you know, or who work for Honda. You know, you in Japan, you could probably go around around Tokyo, which is where the HQ for Honda is, and say to anybody who's Japanese there to go through their family, and there'd probably be mm. one person that yeah. either works at Honda or has worked at Honda or knows someone that works at Honda. It's absolutely massive. And for them mm. to not have... even It's just crazy to think that like they've never, they've never won a GP title. Never. Never even won one, which, you know, it's, it's that classic thing of... They're so good at making it, but not as good use at, it. At, at using it. Whereas we're, yeah. we're not good enough to make it, but good at using it. it yeah, it's, it, it's crazy. It's, it's, you are right. It is absolutely crying out for someone. Even if it was, even if Ayagora came up and won a race, one race in his whole MotoGP, MotoGP career, it would be that like refreshing feel for mm. Japan to say we've had a Japanese winner see, in the last ten yeah. years. You know what I mean? Uh, well, to as, as well, I'm I'm surprised that that you've the likes of Honda seem to be kind of serious, but Yamaha and Suzuki don't really. And I thought it'd maybe be bragging rights to see which team, which constructor could get a, a Japanese to win the title first, because. That that's your bragging rights and that's your legacy, that you were the, yeah. the Japanese constructor that that managed to have a Japanese champion first. Whereas that, Honda I mean, and Yamaha that's a long way I mean, to go in it. Yeah, yeah, Suzuki and Yamaha don't really seem the more European focused, but they don't really seem that fussed. Whereas it's mm. Honda who are thinking, right, we want, if if possible, you know, and there's no kind of Marquez from Europe style person. We want a Japanese person. Because yeah. it'll do them a world of good in terms of marketing and things like that. I mean, you've got to remember as well, Japan have got the money to suffice for stuff like that because, mm. you know, Japan, not Japan, sorry, Honda own Mategi, which we race at. Yeah. They own Suzuka, which yeah. they all, I mean, that's why when I think Yamaha were like five years on the bounce winning the Suzuka endurance race, and it means nothing to the outside world, but on the inside world of endurance racing or even manufacturing and whatnot, the prestige of winning that race is massive. And to win it on another manufacturer's patch when you are Japanese as well, like Yamaha winning a Honda track is a lot bigger than what you think. It's, it's massive. It's absolutely huge. I mean, it's like 
it's like Alfa Romeo. Win- it's not even it's bigger than this, but it's like Alfa Romeo winning on at Mugello mm. that Ferrari owned. Do you know what I mean? It'd be like every Japanese head honcho from Honda will have gone to that race to watch their guys at their track win at their race, and mm. the next door neighbors have won. It's it's very detrimental yeah. in terms of like their honor, their prestige, and what they pump millions into. So to not have a Japanese rider there, I mean, to have one and them not be competitive, Honda will just see it as, you know, you're you're tarnishing our name. That's how they'll see it. You know, they've got somebody that can come through and will take that ride. Like I say, I think if Nakagami doesn't pull his finger out next year, don't be surprised if he heads off to World Superbikes the year after or does whatever. I mean, he's not exactly 21, 22. How's old Ayagora, Matt? Would you do your uh, regular... Google That's searcher, ro, ro, ro. <laughs> so um, I think Igor is about 21, maybe he's 20. 20. Uh, pulling up his profile right yeah, now, he's, he's 20, so yeah. he's, he has got. So imagine if he has a good year next year, he's got five mm. a good five, six years to sort of like get into his mm. his prime years. And if Honda pump yep. money into it, you know, that's I mean, that's why they have separate sponsors because the Japanese sponsors on a Japanese bike with a Japanese rider. With Idemitsu, are like, yep, yeah, Nakagami threw you know thousands at it, and then they say, what about Alex Marquez? And Alex Marquez have got this Marquez name of Estrella Galizia and GV and whatnot, and they go, yeah, we'll we'll put money into it. So it's like a half European, half Japanese team, because obviously Honda have a yeah. massive say on who is in that team. Now you look at who's in that team: Japanese rider and their main man's brother. Now, no mm. disrespect. But if Alex Marquez was not Alex Marquez, he, yeah. he might not be at Honda. Andy's, you know what I mean? Andy's brother always bigging him up, saying he was better than him. So everyone was expecting this. Which call. was the best lie, I think, ever told in history. Because ever <laughs> since he said that, every broadcaster from every country rinsed the hell out of it. And then every factory team went, he's quicker than him. Well, well, we'll, we'll have to get him then. And then his, his market value just went... <laughs> skyrocketed but no discredit in Alex Marquez I mean he's two-time mm. world champion but yeah on on the topic of Japan it's a very interesting conversation I think if we have a Japanese competitive rider that'll be massive for the sport yeah. in general it'll be massive mm-hmm. I mean it's I'm not just saying it because it's Fabio but look at we've now had a French world champion which we've never had before that's that's healthy but with like Josh said the involvement of Japan in this sport, it is crying for a it proper, is. proper competitive Japanese rider. And I, I hope Nakagami can be like that, but I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know if that's going to be the case. Yeah. So uh, before we get to riders, you were saying about the last Japanese champion? Champion would have been poor. No, last Japanese champion would have been Hiroshi Ayama, I think, 250s, 2007, I'm going to guess. 2009. Shit. There has never been a Japanese God. MotoGP champion. Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, it is 2009. What am I saying? Oh, no. I feel I feel bad. I've got like two years <laughs> off. God damn it. Yeah, right, 2007 was Jorge Lorenzo. Yeah, of course it was. Yeah, 2008 Simoncelli, <laughs> 2009 Harama. Yeah, damn. Yeah. So, uh, 
Moving Sorry, on to I, I do apologise for my novice, my novice output there, guys. I do apologise. <laughs> yeah, so moving on to Riders of the Day for Moto 2, I'm taking Camerophobia. Of course. Respectfully of course. as well. Put some respect on that man's name. Mm-hmm. And like, he was in fourth for most of it, and then he just got sniped by uh, Kinect at the last second. He had mm. a very good race. Uh, he did. He had a quietly good race, mm-hmm. didn't he? he had a, I was quite impressed with him. It wouldn't be my rider of the day because mine's Vietti, but um, impressed with Canet. Very impressed. I hope he's got some momentum going into next year that isn't then on a Calyx that he can maybe challenge because I want to see a fully 100% tattooed man in MotoGP. Yeah. That's what I want to see. <laughs> a human um, notepad. Yeah, I'll go with Sam Lowe's, of course. It's nice to see him kind of uh, rid his demons from Portugal last year when his championship mm. challenge went up in smoke on the third round. So it was good to see him back. Probably yeah, or even uh, even Portimao earlier this year where he went flying off in turn one, lap yeah, one. That would have been a good one for the shoulder cam, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you've got some viewership yeah. on that. Yeah, so uh, moving on to MotoGP, in my opinion, another kind of snooze fest because the championships wrapped up. So this is pretty much a race of all well, who, finish, who you know, finishes where. Quick question, um, Matt. Who who won the title this year in MotoGP? Just remind me a minute. Yes, Fabio Quattararo. Oh, who yeah. also so fell I, off I, this weekend. I, I, sorry, who was, was world champion again. Sorry, you got out. Who uh, kept the <laughs> curse going of binning it on you know, the race after you win the championship? I'd be more bothered Fabio, about the Fabio. I'd be more bothered about the uh, the bit where you say winning the world championship then just delete the rest of the sentence because that's all that matters in the end like, well, like i said in our discord you are going to be insufferable for the next year <laughs> i've got i've got the right to be an absolute arsehole for the next however long I, I, if we'd have been doing this podcast for more than a year you'd have had a very very sufferable me because i'll tell you something now if we'd have done this podcast 2018 you'd have had me in tears every week so I've earned my right to be here and be an arsehole. I, I, I will stand on that podium of being number one arsehole until the next champion is crowned. And if it is Fabio, then I'll be another arsehole for another year. And until then, I'll be an arsehole. Ah, you deserve it. Yeah, maybe if KTM challenge, I will hold my hands up and say, fair play if they win it, but they won't. And if Suzuki do it, then fair play. I don't think they will, but they got more chance than KTM. But fair enough, fair enough. I will hold my hands up. Yeah. Any anytime someone mentions KTM and championships, I turn into Hawkeye in that one. I mean, it's like don't don't give me hope. You're like Moto Two. Yes, I love that show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So this GP. race we had uh, Pecco Benyaya winning from Mir and Jack Miller. Um, this race mainly came down to two people, Miller and Alex Marquez. And where would they finish? Everyone else was like multiple seconds, tenths of a seconds away from each other. It was those two that the camera was asphyxiated on through the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. I in mean, the beginning, you had a little bit of uh, Peko and Mir, and then Peko just took off. <laughs> yeah, I, it was kind of deflating, wasn't it, when we saw the red flag come out? I mean, obviously, 
thankfully <laughs> everyone was all right from that and nothing bad happened but mm. you were like oh we might get a fight for the podium and it might kind of just lift the spirit a little bit before moto 2 race came on because obviously the format was moto 3 moto gp and moto 2 and <laughs> i don't know even though obviously i don't have any and i mean any any affiliation to honda but i was like you know what if if marquez challenges miller for a podium i see that as like i can sit here on neutral ground with no yamaha even in close saying to a podium and say fair play because it looked like a good a good battle that we were going to get and alex marquez to be fair to him he was dishing it out but he was taking it pretty well you know he didn't just back down to miller Mm -hmm. or anything and obviously he's not fighting up there every weekend so it was quite nice to see a fresh face and then the red flag came out and he was like uh, oh, right. Um, yeah. Well, and when the <laughs> when the red flag came out, I was like, they were saying about, oh, it's going to go off of the results from lap twenty three, and I'm like, was Mark? I'm like, was Alex ahead of lap twenty three? Yeah. And no, no, he wasn't. And then you like, think whenever you, they mentioned you've... that, I it it like kind of brought your hopes up here. You're like, was Alex ahead of Jack? And it's like, oh no. No, he wasn't. Yeah, yeah, and you, you get your Fuck. hopes up and then you're trying to figure it out and then before you know it, you look back at the screen and Miller's got his rear wheel like pointing towards the sun doing the biggest stop yeah. in the world and you're like, oh, oh. Right, no, I think he's on the podium. My, um, because they, you know, they have the Miller taxi. Did you see about the Miller Airlines now? Yeah, yeah. That was <laughs> so love... weird to watch. So weird. I showed my kids that and they're like, my daughter was watching, she's like, He's off the ground. I'm like, yeah, and I basically had to explain Portimao. I'm like, you know, the the ground basically drops away from the bikes, and he basically figured out he could bunny hop it. I mean, she's uh, it's, it's nothing like, like Josh Brooks going over the mountain at um, Alton Park. I don't know if anyone's ever ooh, seen that. Yeah, have you seen like? I, I saw something. Somebody put something up like, "Oh, Miller hashtag airtime and all this," like taking the Mickey out of it. And then the next thing was Josh Brooks, and it was like, yeah, cute. And it's like him, like, probably, <laughs> and I'm, I'm showing Matt and Josh in, in reference, but probably like, I don't know, like a couple of feet, if not more, off the ground. Like his rear wheel and his front wheel is so much further up. And um, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's crazy to even think those bikes, riding a bike, treacling around on a GP bike, let alone getting one off the fucking ground. Like, that's, yeah, it's, that is it's, insane. Yeah. But insane, Jack Miller kind of go hand well he's hand. he's did you see yes. that post-race interview where he yeah with bt yeah <laughs> that was amazing he came out and they were like no they, you could tell they were like please don't swear please yeah, don't swear and they kept pushing him and pushing him and pushing him and then he was i can't remember what he said but he just effed and jeffed on british tv yeah. and it was just like you could tell or everybody at bt must have been like <gasps> everyone british wow. was like yes <laughs> you see because didn't he put on Instagram there was Casey Stoner helping to clean up yeah. in, the, uh, in the factory, which was quite funny. But that's actually a quick point I want to make, a little tangent. We didn't see much, I think I mentioned it in the Discord, in terms of kind of publicity, Casey Stoner and the Repsol, on the mm-hmm. Repsol kind of garage, we didn't really see anything of that. I think it's more so if you kind of tie your knot with one yeah manufacturing so. saying well i'll help your riders i'll i'll you know be with you in part Ferme with ducati it would be a bit weird to then be like oh i'm now with honda and everything and it'd be like mm, i don't know i don't know i see i do see a point though but i would put a lot of money on him having a very lengthy chat with alberto puig just because um 
a bit of background info for anybody that doesn't know. Alberto Puig being the team manager, team director, whatever you want to class it as, at, at Repsol Honda, actually brought through Stoner from when he moved to Europe and raced in Spain. Stoner actually lived in a motorhome on Alberto Puig's garden. Um, <laughs> and they, they, they've known each other for a long, long time. And Alberto Puig did a lot, to be fair to him, in kind of just helping him live with his parents and whatnot and obviously living away from home and brought him through every rank from Spanish to 125, 250, getting him into GP and obviously even getting him to the point where he's been able to fight and win two world championships. So there's no doubt they would have they've had a chat, but there's a bit of background info for you there, Matt. You probably didn't know that with Alberto Puig. You probably look at him and think, who is that miserable man that is at the front of... <laughs> Of, of a miserable company, but he's actually, he, he has done a lot to be fair to him, credit where credit's due. Um, but yeah, I, I did, I did find it weird because even Patronus, you know, Ro- and I mean, the fact that I've seen a picture of Rossi and Stoner smiling together, touching yeah. one another in the same picture, in the same frame of camera, like what's going on, but I've not seen anything, nothing of him near Honda. Like that's weird. And then the picture of, Stoner, Davi, and Rossi all yeah. together. Yeah. Um, well, somebody, apparently, someone put like, oh, three aliens spotted in Portugal. And then like you clicked on it. You could, <laughs> they did one of those things. You know those pictures where like you can only see like a few frames. Uh, you yeah. click on it and then it blows up and it was like three, yep. three aliens. And I was like, well, and it was like, oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, apparently, um, so the reason Stoner was at, the, he'll be at, oh, he was at, Portimao, and he'll be at Valencia. Um, he basically hasn't been able to get out of Australia for the, like the last two years. And he tried last year to get out and government told him, well, no, it's not a necessity that you go to this. So you're not leaving. And then they finally lifted you know, travel restrictions in Australia. And he hopped on the first plane he could to get to Europe. And, uh, yeah, they were even asking him like, "Oh, well, you know, are, you know, are you doing this for some you know rider development stuff?" He's like, "No, I'm basically doing this as a European golf trip. <laughs> I just get to come to the races and hang out in the paddock again." Yeah, so it's good. A not a bad life, is it? I think he's doing yeah, he's yeah, doing he's, he's part of the. You, you'd be very well. I don't know about jealous because obviously you didn't watch Stoner when um, it was in his like prime, so to speak. But obviously, you now know him, Matt, as a very notable, notable, mm-hmm. the word, a notable figure. Um, but he's actually, yeah, he's in, he's in the the team for the, the BT team next week at Valencia, which there's just so much going on. I mean, I, I was never a fan. Actually, I was for one year, ironically, of Stoner. But like, other than that, I was never really, you know, not, I just wasn't that fond of him because of the, the moaning side of it. But like, there's no doubt the admiration I have for him as a rider, like the pure talent, like watching him race is... You know, he is he is an alien, isn't he? He's different breed. Mm-hmm. But um, just next week, the fact that you've got one of the best riders in the last God knows how long commentating on the best rider of all times mm. last race. I, I don't know. I just find that really weird. Like, it's come out of nowhere as well. Like, six months ago, we didn't even know that Rossi was retiring. And now he's retiring and we've got Stoner going to be sitting there and having to be like nice to Rossi. 
Yeah. Not having to be, but they, they have a respect now where they, they do speak highly of one another. Whereas, obviously, he said, like, Portugal, he was like, you know, part of it was an act, part of it was real. But, you know, part of it's an act in a way of, like, if you do have a problem with him, if the press come to you at a certain point, you say, yeah, I've got a problem with him. You don't all the time go, no, 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 everything's fine. But, like, now, you know, you see him, again, like, smiling, taking pictures and whatnot. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying, you know, they went out and got out on the lash with one another, but, like... At the same time, it's going to be weird if he does commentate, listening to Casey Stoner talk highly of someone that I always had him despise in a way. Do you know what I mean? Mm, it's going to be so yeah. weird. So, so weird. But yeah, it, it's just weird to see that sort of face in, in the paddock anyway, because it's like he just comes and everyone's like, <gasps> Stoner, Stoner, Stoner. And it's like, yeah. bye, bye. And he just goes back to Australia for like two or three years. But fair play to it. I mean... Credit where credit's due for a man like that. He, he won two world titles at 27 years old and got to retire at that age with millions in the bank. Really? I mean, fair play. You know, I mean, he even said, didn't he? He said, I've got more joy out of a qualifying lap than winning a race. When you when you live a life like that and you've retired at 27 years old, like, <laughs> fair it's, enough. It's, it's it's like one of them what could have been if he'd pressed on for a few more years. Yeah. Uh, he easily right. could have been a... You know, but at the same I time, I think it would have been time. what he could have been if he would have had a different mentality. Because the reason he retired was mentality. It wasn't necessarily oh, physical. That kind of exactly, yeah. So if, if we're talking about a stoner that would have loved to carry on and loved to do this and loved to do that and loved to do this, like Marquez, that mentality, maybe, yeah, he would have gone on to do in, insane things. But... Well, I think he. You can only, you can only, you know, yeah. head I over mean, heart he, sort of thing. I still feel he probably would have won twenty twelve, if had it not been because his form seemed to dip after he announced his retirement, like a quarter of the way, a third of the way through the season. Yeah, um, and I think as well when you when you're safe and sound, saying I'm going to retire and body's in one shape, and you say, you know what, I'm calling it a day. Mm. Are you going to squeeze the bike for another tenth, the risk crashing and nah. breaking your leg to go home? And do you know what I mean? Like maybe, but at the same time, you can't discredit Lorenzo for winning that year. Oh, or... definitely not. But but I know you. I know what you mean. I do know what you mean. But it is what if in a sport like MotoGP is oh, it's cr- it's scary. is two words that it's crazy. You know, <laughs> yeah. What if mm-hmm. you could put what if behind any sentence in GP and it would make for a crazy, mm. imaginable, unimaginable. Um, story i suppose you look what if pedroza had won a world title would he have then gone on to win more mm. having the confidence of winning one world title i mean for me pedroza's the best non-champion of gp ever by mile by a country mile the fact that mm. that man didn't win a world title is insane Criminal. <laughs> insane i would not take a world title off of anyone that's got one but if i could give one to to anyone ever which goes to show how good he was considering his Honda, I would still give it in. Easily. Absolutely no question. So unlucky. But mm. still. Rider of the day, did we pick that for GP? No, we haven't. Uh, um, not yet. I don't know what... Uh, oh, quick uh, I know point. I hope, I hope Laquona's left Portugal safe and sound. I hope he's actually in one piece and not been held <laughs> oh, at gunpoint. Yeah. Yeah, uh... A little bit on that. Um, apparently, the reason they red flagged, I mean, for one, you had multiple bikes off. It was, uh, yeah, and you had all the marshals. Apparently, Oliver lost consciousness. 
Like when he went down, he was knocked out. And then they, when they got him behind the wall was when he regained consciousness. Uh, Like I'm not saying, I don't, I don't want to go down like a dark path or anything, but imagine being one of the marshals in that brief 10 seconds that you've picked your home hero up off the ground. He's unconscious. Like, I'm, do you know what I mean? You know, with everything that's gone off this year, like, my heart yeah, yeah, you would run be up to in him, my man. mouth. I'd be shitting mm. bricks. Yeah, because, like, you you picture, you run up to him, eyes closed, not moving. You're like, oh, my God, this is Oliveira. What is happening? And then it's not until you finally, like, feel a pulse. You're like, okay, now I can breathe. Yeah, thank but God then, he's all right, know, though. Christ. Yeah. Bloody hell. But yeah, he, he, was, he was pissed, wasn't he? Oliveira. Quick, quick escape to the border. I mean, luckily, fortunately, Oliveira wasn't in any position to win the race. Um, mm-hmm. But we're battling for a championship. Well. Yeah, it's not. Well, you 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 know, I'll always you plug know. Oliveira's uh, thing. I, I love Oliveira. I think he's given the right bike. I think he's top five championship. Mm. Personally, but I think mentally he's not been there this season. I think we know it's because of the contract arcs and and the injuries as well. Yeah, it, well, yeah, injuries. Um, but he's where? What's his place going forward? I think the, yeah, I, I agree. Been? I think the Binder things really put a damper on him, and rightly yeah. so, to be fair. Rightly so. When Binder's not done anything more than Oliveira's done, um, apart from win on slicks. Way, but, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's, I mean, who who I has mean, done that? <laughs> you know, if if that's the case, then give Binder a MotoGP con- factory permitting lifetime contract for that. that Binder's <laughs> get out of jail free card. Hall of Fame. I mean, yeah, y- you s- you say about like Binder and Oliver, like although Binder hasn't won races, he's been consistent. I mean, you're talking Binder in seventh place in the championship. Oliveira's in 13th. Yeah. You're talking 142 points to 92. So mm. where Oliveira's winning races, yeah. Bender is staying on the bike and finishing relatively, you know, in the high in the points. I mean, but saying that, Bender Bender I don't I'm just trying to think back. I mean, I'm more than happily proven wrong on this. But like when was Bender last injured? <laughs> like, I, I swear the guy's like I, I mean he's not like a non-crasher like Binder crashes like he does but I can't remember a point in since he's been in GP the last two years where Binder's been like oh he's out because he's injured this whereas Oliveira this year is like every other week it's like you know he's injured his hand he's injured his wrist he's injured his injured his ankle Um, just trying to think back like to be fair like I, I do think that is a bit a big part of it. I mean, remember at Silverstone, it was so weird. Um, you'll remember Josh seeing because obviously it wasn't on TV because of where he was, but to see Oliveira on the first lap behind Dixon and Rossi, it was like, yeah, what? Like, so if you didn't know he was injured, you'd be like, what's gone on there? But he has suffered with injury, and you know, I, I'm probably just being a bit biased towards Oliveira because I do have a massive soft spot for him, but. I do agree with Josh in saying I think this year's performance has had more of an effect on as well as injuries. I think behind the scenes there's been a lot going on where I don't I don't think you would not it's not like he's not wanted. It's just like a lot of 
chit chat and talk that would just put you off a little bit. Right. Do you know what I mean? It would, it'd have you riding a little bit. I don't know. Cause at one point you're sitting there thinking, am I giving 110% for a factory that isn't prioritizing me? And they're prioritizing mm. Binder more, a lot more. They're giving a three year contract. And of course, looking, you've got Gardner Fernandez, um, Acosta. He's mm-hmm. not, he's not in the long term plans of KTM. Why stay there? That's what but, I think. What is he? You know, because uh, again, we've had this discussion so many times, but are they not giving Oliveira a contract long enough? So that they keep that one door open for Fernandez, Gardner, Acosta, but then at the same time, do you want to be the door opened guy of going, oh yeah, I'll I'll go year by year and sort of like like basically, imagine Binder's on a forty hour a week contract, and and Oliveira's on a zero hour contract where they can just sack you like that. That's basically at the minute, that's what it almost feels like mm. if you're Oliveira, and that's a horrible position to be when you're you don't have a secure future like that when you, the guy next to you does and you both kind of got the same CV you'd be like uh, I don't know so I don't know Maybe, I, I do hope, not just saying it because of Matt and everything but I do, I do actually hope KTM challenge next year a lot more than they have this year, not necessarily challenge but KTM this year has been weird, very very weird as Matt yeah Glares into the distance. I thought you'd, I thought we'd lost you then, Matt. I no, bored you to death talking shit about KTM. No, I'm basically just thinking like you know the roadmap of KTM for the coming years. Yeah, you, you've if, got Bender. If, on... if you knew that, Matt, you would be a wealthy man because Pit Byron and everybody else and Mike Lightner would probably have you at gunpoint, giving you money, bribing you to not reveal. Because like you've you've got Bender and Oliveira on the factory team, you've got Remy and Raul coming to the Tech Three team, and then you really only have a cost after that that you really have to like worry about moving up right away. Augusto Fernandez now as well. If he t- yeah, if I, if I were as good this year as they are next year, Augusto Fernandez will be in the seat for it. Will be in the 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 limelight for a GP slot. Right. You can't say he's not be because if if it's anything like this year, then he'll be P two, won't he? So, but yeah, it's just like you know, do they give up Oliveira and you know, hold on to Bender, who's more consistent, to a let you know Acosta come up into GP? You know, at that point, where's the shuffling go from there? Do you, who do you move to the factory team? Yeah, that would probably deter go off of you know who does better, Raul or Emmy in Tech Three, mm. yeah. or do you keep those two at Tech Three and move Acosta straight to the factory team? I genuinely think there is a big chance of Miguel Oliveira moving to another factory that isn't Aprilia, basically, um, for twenty twenty three, twenty four, twenty four latest. I think twenty twenty three, Suzuki. Maybe Yamaha, maybe Honda, Probably. maybe who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Yamaha, maybe. That's I, I can I can see it. I can see. I I'm not saying it will, but like, if you put yourself in Miguel Oliveira's shoes, are, are you going to be that bothered about what KTM think when the when they've not secured you as much as they have been? To? Of course you're not. All right. 
You're not there, are you? You, you just it, imagine if I mean I know he's won a world title and Morbidelli hasn't. But say if they say if Fabio had not won a world title, say if we were talking 2020, he went into 2021 and they signed both. Forget Maverick. Say if it was Morbidelli and Quattararo, and Fabio were given a three-year contract, and Morbidelli were given a one, you'd be like, well, clearly then they don't give shit about Morbidelli. They only care about Fabio. You, as Morbidelli, you would be like, well, why do I care then? You would, of course you would. Same same thing, I think. I just, I don't know. I don't blame Miguel if he turns around and says, screw you, KTM, because you clearly got, you know, you've clearly got your priorities elsewhere, which when you've got Acosta coming up, Fernandez, Gardner, like you say, it's, we could have this conversation every single week, but it, it's it's applicable to every single week. That's why yeah, it, it really exactly. is. It's exactly. It's kind of the elephant in the room that's never really been addressed by KTM. Mm. But yeah, that's true. Rider of the day. <laughs> so. Yeah, we were getting to that before we went off on a KTM tangent. Uh, um, I'm going to take Alex Marquez. The obvious choice, but it's a, yeah, just to avoid. Uh, Zarco. I'll go with Zarco. I think he's he's kind of captured a bit of that kind of first half of the season form. Um, bottled it up and used it because he did all right for fifth, considering he's been absolutely nowhere in the last how many races. Um, I even forgot he was a rider to be honest. <laughs> since since Austria, since he crashed out yeah. before that slick thing, yeah. And that yeah, that was he's been nowhere since then. So yeah, nice to see him get fifth. My pick's gonna be Joan Mir, just oh. because. Um, I thought he's... that's who Josh was going to take. Yeah, I did as well, but he was. My, he, I'm glad he hasn't because I, I was reluctant to say Alex Marquez, which is why I'm glad you were saying just because mm-hmm. of the thing. Um, but no, Jean Mir, it's kind of crazy the fact that this is his first time on the front row of the grid since Valencia or whatever it was in Moto3. Like, that's crazy mm-hmm. to think the guys won a world title and not been on the front row. But. Um, Great qualifying and held his own down to the first corner with four Ducatis around him, which is a scary thought in itself. And barring the class above, which was Bagnaia, you know, a take Bagnaia out of the situation. Juan Mir has not really been like this weekend. I wouldn't say he's been, oh, yeah, Mir will challenge for the win. And he didn't challenge for the win because no one did other than Peko. But to say that he was the next best, I think. Massively impressive for for Mir, and if he goes into Valencia and has a good result, can he take it into testing and through into next year? Maybe, but you know, just quickly on that as well, it's believed by Sylvain Gintoli, which is Suzuki's test rider, that it's eighty percent there with Brivio coming back. Really? Yeah. Wow. He, he said. He said. Um, I think it was on Sunday. I think Susie Perry put it towards him or something and said, you know, what, what's what's the chances, what's the Brivio situation of coming back to Suzuki? And he said 80%. So whether it's 80% confirmed he's not coming back, I don't know. But I take that as it's 80% there of him saying, yeah, you know what? I know where my home is and he's coming back, which if you're Suzuki, which Josh is, that's music to your ears, really that good. is. Hearing Brivio come Brivio, back. in the contract with Alpine, it must be like, after our first win, you can 
look at moving on <laughs> then they get the first win like a lot yeah. quicker than the thought <laughs> if you get our first win then we don't have to pay your contract out yeah and then after, yeah. after that he was like oh there we go then <laughs> i mean he's, he's a very clever guy so i can like i've, I've said before I, I can only imagine he'd be on good whack at yeah. alpine a very good whack to get he... to pull you away from a world championship winning team in gp to a let's be honest mediocre f1 team I obviously mean... in terms of results you go well you stay at gp but then you show him his paycheck and you'd say ah, yeah go to f1 yeah yeah i think if he comes back to suzuki it'll be like a, a mum coming back from a spa weekend to the house in ruins. <laughs> that was not that was not the analogy I was expecting to be honest. With you. I thought you were going to say like the dad coming back from like being on like a a, a tour in Afghanistan or something. I don't even know. No, like, I was expecting some like classic like military no, themed thing or something. But um... the, the mum coming back from a spa weekend was not what I was expecting at all. <laughs> I Just thought he the, was going to go for the uh, community meme where it's the guy. Uh, oh, crap. What? The pizza one. Yeah, where he walks in carrying the pizza and the whole apartment's on fire. Well, that, yeah, that's Suzuki, right? <laughs> it's yeah. Not, it's not that bad, but exaggerated. Yeah, it's a good that's a fair yes. one. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. I think it's time to yes, address the, so. the elephant in the room the Patronus Yamaha elephant in the room. Uh, so moving on to Moto3, we've got Pedro Acosta winning from Andre Mino and Nicola Antonelli. Acosta, your Moto3 world champion this year. Uh, but all of that Awkward. is because, well, and before we get into it, we got to talk about like the race leading up to the last lap because that race was amazing. To watch Acosta come through the field, work his way to the top, and then go back and forth with Foggia for how many laps. Like, this was edge-of-your-seat racing right here because the whole time. And, you know, for my perspective, I watched, I got up that morning and watched MotoGP. During the gap between MotoGP and Moto2, I tried to squeeze this in and ended up missing the first five laps of Moto2. But, like... I was chatting with you guys, like basically live chatting this race, and I'm like, you know, going through like this is like I'm sitting on the edge of my seat, like loving this race. The funniest thing for me was is for people listening. So you've got you've got Matt who's watching Moto Three basically on playback on record, if you like. Um, <laughs> and he's like kind of updating us as if not as if we've not seen it but like you would think that looking in our in our chat like oh Messiah's done this and Messiah's taken the lead and oh Foggy has dropped by and whatever and then I've got Josh who's watching the GP race a little bit behind um like kind of going through that but like I think you were you weren't too far behind were you Josh but I think you were like I can't remember what it was but you, you were you were talking about that and I'm sitting there watching the Moto 2 race live and I'm like looking at my phone every couple of minutes and Matt's like, oh my God, what a move and all this. And I'm like, he does not know what's to come. And it gets, he's like, five laps to go, three laps to go. And then you, when you put one lap to go, I just put the little gif in of Kanye West where he's like, it's about to go <laughs> No, it was uh, <laughs> a Kevin Hart. Oh, Kevin Hart, yeah. 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 
Um, and just I, as soon as I put that in, that when you next looked at your phone, you must have been like, you must have seen it, it as in oh. the thing, and been like, yeah, yeah, it's gone down. Like, because one lap to go, I'm like, I can send this GIF, and by the time it's sent and you read that, they're 100% at turn two, turn three. So I already know what's about to go down, literally. So that that morning, the first thing Josh said, just caught up with Moto3. I have no words. And I said, shut up. I haven't watched it. Yeah. <laughs> and then that was it from there. To be fair, the worst thing you could have done, having not watched a championship that is yet decided with two races to go, is look in a Discord that literally specifically discusses <laughs> MotoGP and Moto2 and 3. Oh, but it was just like watching the race and like, because I'm trying to find the one where it was, um, oh, who was it that came up the inside? Oh, Sergio Garcia. Sergio, like five laps, five, six laps to go, Garcia just comes out of nowhere and I put, what the hell is he doing? Garcia was, um, he was on smoke at one point in that race. He can, he can well, he can well into that race, but yeah, I think mm -hmm. he, he... I think he kind of momentarily thought he was still in the championship fight. He, um, I tell you what, him and Foggia next year, on paper, oh looking God, like a, yeah. that will be a fight next year. I'm looking forward to that. We'll say this, and then it'll be like, it'll be like, I was about to say McFit, it won't be McFit, but it'll, it'll be like, um, well, Scott, on you and. Well, no, obviously it's going to be Scott Ogden who's going to go and win. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, it'll be Scott Ogden, McPhee, and, um, and Josh, that all yeah. like there'll there'll be a three way British <laughs> British motor three title fight Lonely. in our dreams. Can you imagine? Um, but no, back onto the race. I was I, I kind of had Garcia to win it. I'll be honest with you. I thought Fodger will get too caught up in fighting Acosta. Acosta will get too caught up in damage limitation with Fodger, and Garcia was piling on his way through. As he normally does, Garcia's got good racecraft. Kind of reminds me a little bit like what Arenas was like last year. Um, and I had Garcia down with about three laps to go to win. Um, can we just address it now? Because I feel like we're <laughs> I feel like yeah. we're building yeah. this up to be like, oh, nothing really happened other than this. But yeah. So um, and just before we do move on, McPhee obviously crashed out, but that's that's irrelevant. <laughs> and I love. I love as we were talking, you're trying to like put up this stuff like, okay, I found it. Okay, Matt, enough tension. Ringe joins the action and wipes them all out. Meaning McPhee is crown champion. There you go. <laughs> Happy now. And I responded, McPhee would need the entire Moto3 paddock to be wiped off the face of the earth to be crowned a champion. Well, I was just trying to like, because I think I put to you, but I was like, okay, spoiler alert. And I wanted you to like read it and be like, no, 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 no. And then like, see what I've put and be like, oh. <laughs> become completely I, think irrelevant. At, I think at one point you put about um trying to find it here just you put about somebody else coming out I, yeah I, I do i do post a lot of tosh in discord to be fair so it could, <laughs> I, it could put, be, uh... I put i put mcphee is out bono response water is wet <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean tell me i'm wrong as, yeah. as Rafa might say, let's talk about facts because yeah. that is literally factual information. Um, but yeah, it, yeah. So, 
finally getting to the elephant in the room. Oh, On the last God. lap, you have, and I'm pulling up the clip that I took, you have Foggia, Acosta, Sergio Garcia, and Bender in a line coming through turn one, two, and into three. And it's, it's like, if you watch the clip back, it's interesting because Acosta makes the move on Foggia to take the lead. And Bender takes a move on Garcia to take third, but Garcia, or, uh, Darren Bender just keeps going straight. And Foggia is right there in his crosshairs. Oh, and, God. It was... <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. It was just like slow motion, really. Because you kind of... It was weird because it was slow motion, but you kind of knew it was going to happen as soon as it happened. Like, you know what I mean? It was just... Oh. And if it, watching if it, it was to back... be anyone, if it was to be anyone, oh, as, soon yeah. as, saw it, as soon as you saw them running in, you were, and then you put face the name, you're like, "Bit, oh yeah, yeah, that's, that's not going well." Like straight away, straight away. And I'm not like crapping on the guy. It's just because of the reputation he's kind of got off his back this year and being a lot better and more like compared to old years. Binder this year has looked like a saint. Has looked like mm-hmm. a saint. And you just see him lunging in, knowing he's not making the corner. And you're like, if I close my eyes right now and got told he's taken out two riders, you could put your mortgage on it that one of those two riders would either have been a Costa or Fodger. You could have put your mortgage on that it was one of those two riders. Yep. And like... I watching the clip back, I just thought it was so interesting because if Acosta doesn't make that move, it's Acosta that Bender wipes out. Like, yeah. you know, Acosta makes that move going into turn three and drops Foggia to second, where if they would have stayed, you know, status quo as they came in, it would have been Acosta. And then what happens? Yeah. Um, I just don't. I just didn't really see why Binder needed to make that move. I I really, I know it's heat at the moment, tunnel vision. You you racing for yourself mm-hmm. for your team, but Jesus Christ! To wipe out a championship, picture. yeah, to wipe out a championship challenger when you've already got your like Fodge will literally see it as, oh, uh, you've got your lucky day, like your lucky payday. You've you've been promoted to GP. You're not racing for anything. You've got no, no, you know, nothing to prove. And you wipe me out, who's having the best form of their life, about to challenge for a world title. And probably in his right to turn around and say, that's something you you might not ever do. Because at this point, mm. Binder's going to go to GP. Is Darren Binder going to challenge for a MotoGP world title? If he does, not for at least three or four years. And... Yeah. Yeah, my honest opinion, he won't, but he might. Let's just, no. you know, you never never say never. But um, yeah, I just, I would be, I, I, yeah, if they weren't media trained, I think we would have seen a Gibbonow or be a uh, better reference of Biaggi Rossi, where you're talking behind the scenes where Biaggi got a mosquito bite under his arm when really Rossi thumped him one. Uh, for in his in his words, basically 
being a prick. Like that, mm-hmm. that's basically why he leathered him one. But imagine if the media wasn't how it was today. You bet any money that Fodger would have just lumped him one. And right, I, I yeah. would have been fuming. I would have been raging if that had happened to me. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's annoying because it took the wind out of the sails. You know, we 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 wanted, that was looking so good. You know, Fodger's form has been incredible. And mm-hmm. really, for it to end like that, it's just been, it's so disappointing. No one likes, to, no one ever likes to see it end. You know, it, Either one of them could have won that race, Fodger or Costa yeah. or Garcia. But mathematically, what did what did Fodger need to do? Did Fodger need to beat Acosta to stay in it? I think if Fodger yeah. would have won and Acosta finished second, I think it was like was it was it eleven points or something, something yeah, like that. It was in the teens or was it nine? It probably would have gone gone down to. To Valencia, which is what we wanted. We want, we want. Uh, at this point, obviously, we didn't know how Moto Two was going to play out, but obviously, benefit of hindsight now, we 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 could have done with Moto Three going down to Valencia, and to see it end like that is just ridiculous. Because, yeah, it, that's the worst thing about motorbikes it, compared to say four wheeled racing is it's a lot easier. For a championship to be decided from mm-hmm. someone crashing out, but at the same you... time, it, it can cause it can cause like even more drama because you could have somebody that is leading. Like, imagine if Acosta would have been wiped out and it would have then gone equal to Valencia. Yeah, it, it You'd have been like, "Oh my right. god, that's insane!" Because then you've got yeah. like equal going in. It's just it, the fact it's that Ogier got took out. For me, I, I don't like that for championships to be decided decided in that way. Even though it's a fact of motorcycle racing that it happens often, but mm. it's it's still yeah, it, not it is. something you want to see. Yeah, six or one half a dozen the other for me because I mean, if I was a neutral and Fabio would have crashed out at Nizano, you'd have been like, "Oh my god, mm. like this is huge." If Acosta would have been wiped out at Portimao, you know, it can it can it can do great and it can also do. It- yeah, I see Bad. what you mean. It's it's when it decides a title, that's when. Yeah, that's it's when it's it, a it's a bit of pill to swallow for it, sure. It's yeah, difficult because, like you said, it, if Fabio had crashed out at Misano, amazing. If Acosta crashes out Portugal, amazing. But it's when it's an actual mm. decides a title that's when it it's right. just deflates. Like 2017, when bloody Davizioso crashed out. Um, even though I don't think he was set to win anyway. Mathematically, I'm not sure. I mean, the one I always think of is, and it's it's bittersweet looking back, um, and even back then before tragic events happened. But it's just the one I always think about is 2006. Is seeing mm. Ro- like Rossi that year had so many mechanical faults, but still plucked that bike to the top so many times. Yeah, and got to Valencia and binned it, and Nicky Aiden won based on him crashing, and you know so good looking back just to see somebody that an actual grafter 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 sort of guy you know win a world title and such a nice guy um Mm -hmm. and looking back rossi won nine world titles you know it it won't it won't do him any harm in not winning one to somebody like Nicky hayden who to be fair to the guy he might not have won a lot of races but Mm. again he got a lot out of the bike that he was riding on and whatnot um but yeah, 2017 was a 
hard one to watch because again, Dovi, I feel like Dovi deserves. I don't know if he deserves a world title. 2017 came out of nowhere because it was meant to be Maverick versus Marquez because yeah. he started off so strong. <laughs> and then Dovi came to fruition so well in the later part of that year. And um, I did genuinely expect him to challenge. But, you know, you look back at 2017 Valencia and you see Marquez pull a save off where he's breaking oh 50 Lord. metres later. That is ridiculous. And he's got his front wheel arched into the tarmac for God knows how long, you know. meant to be. Yeah, I think that's where, I think I saw like a a video back then when it panned to Gigi, you know, Delinia there. Yeah, and he was like. And he was just like, I think he just sat down and sort of went, well, I think think that's that's our only chance and he's he's saved it. And you know what, Marquez. I I do remember from that as well, yeah, Lorenzo wouldn't let Doffy pass. Yeah, the whole mapping goal. eight thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, cr- crashing, crashing like that. I mean, it's part of the, the sport. It never won't be. It can do great yeah. and it can do bad. It's yeah. just in this case, it was just a bit of thing. I mean, on that point, what on earth did Binder think in after all that? Straight away going to Leopard's garage. I mean. Oh, and that's, I brought up the uh, statement and Leopard put out a thing saying, we didn't want Brad Bender or Darren Bender's presence at the box because it is obvious that after deciding Dennis Foggia's chances in the fight for the championship, it would be reasonable to think that that moment wasn't the right one. Darren Bender has thrown away all the effort and hard work that our team, of our team this season. It wasn't just a race incident. Thanks for understanding it. The most important thing is Dennis Foggia was fine after the crash. Yeah, people mm, people so, responded to that like, "Oh God, that's quite but, quite harsh." But yeah, taking him out is quite oh, harsh. It's completely <laughs> understandable. But that's the, the the sin of all sins is is you know there's t- one one thing to crash out and and decide a championship when you've just crashed out yourself like a Banyaya or a Dovi, but when you're yeah. taken mm-hmm. out by someone else, that's like the ultimate kick in the in the nuts really because yeah well and it it's one thing to like isn't it that's what it is it's no fault of your own it's one thing to like take out another rider and then try to go over and apologize and but when it's a title contender in a battle like this tight yeah that's one of those ones where as darren bender you have to be like i'm gonna give them some time i'm gonna wait to go over there and let them cool down or like, just put out something on social media. Don't try to go over there because you may get. It may look like a NASCAR race, you know, where the pit crews start fighting each other, and you're having to separate riders. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Um, anybody listening to this that watched Argentina 2018 will remember Marquez and Puig just going down to Yamaha after taking Rossi out, and Uchio just went to the front of the garage and basically said, "We don't want you in here." off basically mm. <laughs> and people at the time was like you know he's come to apologize and it's like there's a time and a place and mm-hmm. and, and again that's in not this it. day and, no it's not it and in this day and age it's like do it in front of the camera because then you've got good good publicity mm. for Cena being the one to try mm-hmm. and right right the wrongs but morally there's just a time and a place remember um and you don't do it rossi the stoner yeah that, that, that annoyed me. That that annoyed me just because of what he said. Stoner said, um, "Yeah, he said your ambition talent. outweighed your talent." I think. I mean, I to think... say that to a nine-time world yeah. champions, 
you know, in terms of arrogance, that's probably a big part of why I'm not a massive fan of Stoner. But I think Stoner, what annoyed Stoner was he had his helmet on still. That was it. But yeah, but I mean, again, like I don't know. I I don't know. It, hindsight and everything else. Like, it was part of the spectacle of. But again, it's era. like Rossi. It's like is Rossi as a nine-time world champion going to go into Stoner's box and wear a suit and bow tie and say? I'm ever so, so sorry, Mr. Stoner. I shall never do it again. No, of course he's not. Cause it's part. It's part of the act, isn't it? It's part of the act to say, "I'll I'll come and say sorry," but I'm not. You know, I'm not bowing down for you. Which I don't know. The time and a place. But after all this, we do have to congratulate a very, very promising youngster in Acosta yes. in winning a world title. I mean, take nothing away from the guy. What is he? <laughs> 17, 17, 17 years old. I remember when I turned 17, I was so unbelievably happy about the, the prospect of passing my test to drive. Yeah. And this man at 17 is looking at the prospect of taking the likes of Brad Binder's MotoGP seat in a ne- like the next couple of years. Um, yeah. So absolutely full credit to I mean, Pedro the Costa kid still just... has braces. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's insane. It's I a, mean, um... He can't legally drink yet. He's a world champion. No, I don't think KTM. I don't think really <laughs> wanted him to win so quickly because it just presents more problems in terms of where he's going to go. But mm-hmm. um, at the same time, it's you can say it's a good done. problem to have, but it's oh, yeah, also really not a good problem to have because you're not going to have. Someone's got to be pissed off by the end yeah. of it. Someone has to be annoyed, <laughs> and you've already annoyed Ika Lacona and Petrucci. Because of that, you know, um, that's there's going to be a few more. That's why let Fernandez go. Why didn't you just let him go? <laughs> let him fly the nest because you have a Costa. But no, they want to yeah. create more problems for themselves further down the line. But it's so crazy because, like, the the whole reason that we now speak about KTM week in week out, right, is simply because of Ralph Fernandez. And I'll tell you why. Because Ralph Fernandez at the end of last year picked up form on a Moto3 bike that he didn't have form on all year and started winning and winning very well. And he obviously is still a young guy and the size of him. Akiayo said, you know what? You contracted to stay in Moto3. I'm going to go to Moto2 and made Nagashima. Yeah. Redundant. Which then Acosta was actually due to take the seat of Yamanaka basically, or De Pasquier, which I think at the time was Yamanaka that he was going to take um, the seat of. So he was due to go to Prustal, which would it have been as competitive? No. And because of that, Acosta got Ralph Fernandez a seat. So if it wasn't for Fernandez being promoted to Moto2 based on the prospect that Akiayo thought he would have been, which has proven to be true, then Acosta would have not gone to Moto3 with Ayo. Ralph Fernandez wouldn't be in Moto2 taking Laquona's seat and Laquona would still be in a job and KTM would not have more riders than what they do have now in the Red Bull KTM system on contracts within that system. That's yeah. all because of Ralph Fernandez picking up form last year, which <laughs> just goes to show never say never because that, in terms of domino effect, that is the most domino oh, effect ever, yeah. but that is all factual. That's That's true. You know, Acosta was due to do that. Fernandez was not even meant to go to Moto2. Again, we've seen it again this year. Like, oh, I don't think I'll go to GP. And then they're like, no, get to GP. And Acosta's going, 
Moto Two, hello, come on, Moto Two, and he's, and then he's, and Ralph Fernandez is saying, well, hang on, before you come up to Moto Two, is my brother going to get a seat? And he is, is he? Okay, then I'll go up to. <laughs> and it's just, yeah, that's, it's, that's the yeah. paddock for you. That's rider market. It's so crazy. For, I'm excited to see him next season, Acosta. See what he's capable of. So yeah, so. very, very looking he's forward got to. Two him. seasons. Um, or mm. should have two seasons. So, um, yeah, should be interesting with Acosta. Yeah, Very I'm quite intrigued. Means nothing to most people, but they're going to have two riders that both use the number 37. I wonder who will get it. I wonder if Pedro Costa will stamp his foot down as a young, angry 17-year-old kid and say, I'm the next big thing, let me have number 37. Or Akiayo will say, let's not embarrass this man of Augusto Fernandez and use 37. Because obviously marketing now is huge. Like back in the day, you'd be like, oh, shut up. You use 73, it'll use 37. But... I don't know, there might be a bit of a marketing mm. clash with Augusto Fernandez, who has been known not to get on with teammates. I don't know how much of a good guy he is, but Sam Lowe's has got mixed opinions on Augusto Fernandez. They've had mixed emotions with one another. But um, anyway, anyway, um, rider of the day for Moto3. Um, Binder, I reckon. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> Final of the day. Uh, I mean, I can go first because I know who I'm taking. Go on. I'm taking Pedro Acosta. I don't care if he won the race. He <sighs> is the Moto G- Moto Three champion. I'm Matt, taking Pedro Acosta. I'm pulling a Josh. <laughs> Matt, there's five people who've not finished the race. Are you sure you don't <laughs> want one of them? I'm gonna say good, I mean, good I, pick uh, Carter Tober if you like. <laughs> I even put in the chat. When I'm looking at the standings, it's weird because Kaitatoba isn't in the not classified. Mm. He's, but he's not position twenty three. He's just. It says he. He was down eight Technic- laps. Yeah, I was going to say, it technically classes him as that he finished eight laps. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, the GP guys are, like, just coming out on the, the sighting lap and Toba's just like, hang on, let me finish. I've not done yet. Um, what's, who's your pick, Josh? Um, God. Uh, I can give you some time to think, if you like. It's... I'll go with Mino. Um, He's becoming a just, meme, isn't he? <laughs> not just because he finished second, I think in all that kind of melee and and what went down to it doesn't mean too much coming back from 16th on the grid because obviously it's more three but his number is 16 you still got to do it though aren't you you can you know not everyone does that from 16 you know yeah fair enough he's had he's had not the busiest Mm -hmm. season but yeah and i mean part of racing is you got to take advantage of situations when they happen so when two riders go down if you're in position to take you know second place and you know you figure alberto sura his teammate finished 15th mm. so yeah it's yeah. a good pick my um my pick is joel kelso now that might seem a bit weird but the guy finished 14th as a wild card on possibly one of the worst bikes on the grid um and finished within 10 seconds of Acosta, who won the race. Now, he's coming in with that team next year. 
So I think to come in as a wild card, get points, and finish ten seconds within within the leader as a I think he's like sixteen ish, seventeen ish, something like that. Um, good promising rider. So I'll give it I'll give it him a bit of a shout out because I, I mean wild cards are sort of some people just see them as people who come in to replace and as up to standard, but to come in and be up to pace with any mm. class that you jump into is insanely difficult and at that age when the experience is so so thin um full credit to him to be fair so so yeah the website doesn't even have his date of birth i think he uh, he's not very old he's not very old australian guy as well he, racing in the yeah the i was about to say he's but... australian i can tell you yeah. that yeah no he's a um no height very, very no good weight. looking guy good looking guys and good looking like the next year not as in i think he's a good attractive man he might be i mean i don't know it might be the next very Ian bright red his, hair i would say he might get his jawline restructured instead of turning up to testing like Ian Oni. <laughs> uh, and before we get on to fantasy i did remember actually in fp3 i was like oh my god i've got two boosts left have a guess <laughs> do I put boost oh, on? I have a guess fabio Yep. <laughs> I literally, as soon as he went down, I thought about the fantasy. I was like, oh, bollocks of fantasy. I couldn't care less. <laughs> I couldn't care less. Yeah, I might swap my thing out for the last race and put it as, what? like, Savadori might be as a selected rider. and He's not even going to race, but just give him double points for life. <laughs> so the funny thing is, looking at fantasy, is whenever I clicked on leagues and went down to where ours is, it said I moved down to fifth. And my first reaction was, tell me Bunno tried this weekend and fucking <laughs> overtook me because I will lose it. And no, we had somebody else join who's automatically in third. <laughs> what? Yeah. So who, who the was the top name of 10 who's joined? Sick 58. S-I-C 58. Right. Which I know that's just from looking at the results from the race, that's a team in Moto three. Yeah, Matt, I don't I don't think Sitch fifty eight squad no. course has joined our uh, fancy I mean, league team. It's, it's like, possible. Imagine they, Paolo Smicelli sitting there like I'll put double points on him this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, they're from the US. They came in with sixteen hundred and seventy five point five points, so they're only five points behind Josh in second. Oh uh, yeah, brilliant. Well, and like, I don't think Josh will sleep tonight with that fear. <laughs> but yeah, so... I forgot to change oh. mine the last three weeks, so... Oh, and it's funny... I've, I've waited till the last two weeks to change mine. So I'm in another league for uh, a po- an F... Or, yeah, a uh, MotoGP podcast I listen to called Greg's Garage, Garage with Jason Pridmore, and last week they were going over some of the people in... <clears throat> their league and they were na- throwing out some names and i heard a name and immediately went wait what and i had to pull it up ant-man motorcycles is in that league and is oh, in 14th place oh, he, he's a beast they they mentioned ant-man motorcycles i'm like wait a minute you mean our ant-man motorcycles we and sure enough it's the same one is. Whoever that man is, he's from Australia. Yeah, if you're listening to this, and I've looked at the logistics of the uh, the podcast, there are a, a percentage that listen from Australia. Big up, whoever mm-hmm. it is that listens. Um, 
if that's Ant-Man, please, for the love of God, reveal who you are, because we have referenced please. you so many times in this fan. <laughs> we, we get to the end of the podcast and mention the, the fantasy, and you are put in a bracket that you would think God had picked your riders for the week. Exactly. And you have, then, we I are mean, yet to know who you are. Well, then, to see that he's only 14th in that other league... But what really matters is the Red Sector League, realistically. I mean, yeah, I just so. on that, do, are we doing like a... Because I've, I've kind of hinted at maybe... And I know we kind of somewhat agreed of doing like a small prize. Obviously, we don't have the budget to be like, let's give away a, a fucking like M1 next year. And a wry helmet. Yeah. But um, I don't know. Maybe we should do like a small giveaway if someone wins it. Like very small, obviously, because we, we all the budget for anyone that... I got asked this the other day, like what what sort of like sponsorship sort of money do we get and i'm like i don't think you realize how small we are like, yeah <laughs> there is yeah. no budget put into this podcast at all in terms been. of or everything that we've put in i.e my microphone josh's microphone for example is all out of our own pocket we've never had any sort of brand deal nothing like that so it's all out of our own pocket but um i don't know maybe it would be nice to put like something very small but like a, a reasonable thing just like yeah and whoever you know. finishes last Pays the puck. puck <laughs> Can you imagine? That's the <laughs> British yeah, thing. You, that's a northern coming out in you. Like I'm not paying for it. Let the let the person who well, that'll be me. That'll be me. That will if I if well, I do it like I did this year. It'll be me. Well, if it goes to Australia, Ant Man. <laughs> yeah, if he turns up next year and absolutely trances it, then um, he's gonna have to order it himself, and we'll just send him the money because I ain't paying for shipping to Australia. I know that. <laughs> My sister lived in Australia for a year, and it cost us like thirty quid if we wanted to send like a card. So it's not Jeez. happening. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll do that. We'll do something like that. So if yeah. if you are listening and you are interested in joining our league next year, we'll definitely have one anyway. But um, yeah, <laughs> send us any ideas on prizes, and we'll probably uh, come to a conclusion with it. But do not send us things like, oh, why don't you give away like Matt says, like a helmet or a fucking <laughs> MacBook? Because believe it or not, we have not got the funds. So anything no. reasonable. Maybe we'll send them a. Uh, we'll get red ste- red sector stickers made and send them a sticker. <laughs> Maybe we can do like um yeah like a, a shirt of their cho- or like a cap of their choice of like one of the riders or something with a red red sector sticker in the packaging. Get get our own branding center out there and whatnot. It's, my wife even made a comment that uh, she wants to get a, a decal maker, and I, my first thought was you could make red sector stickers for yeah. me. Yeah, I know a couple that of people that might be able to do that. About it. Yeah, I know a couple of people, so I'm I'm going to try and over the winter I'm going to try and push the boat out with that sort of thing, and then you'll you'll turn up for for Qatar. Even though just just quickly as well, I know we'll we're going about this, but like we are going to be we're not just going to get to Valencia, drop off the edge of a cliff, and then be like, so guys, where have you all gone? We're at Qatar again, like so. Yeah. You know, we will be doing yeah. off season stuff, but. You'll see me turn up to Qatar with like red sector T-shirt, red sector jacket, hoodie, coat, cap, fucking red sector <laughs> tattoo. Like, yeah, I'm born and bred red sector. <laughs> but um, but no, do you want to do you want to speak about that, Matt? In terms of what we're, I know I know we've obviously got a few things we don't want to necessarily say because we have not got a lot of things that are confirmed. But you right. know more than I do in terms of what you've got planned, and you know we've, we've no, all got so, a bit uh, of an idea. Right. Yeah, basically, um, yeah, whenever the season ends, we're not just going to drop off. We may, you know, do, you know, take a week off here, a week off there, because we, you know, like for me, I've got Thanksgiving in late November. Um, 
yeah, we're yet Christmas. to discover what that is over at this side of the pond. We don't do mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe yeah, we'll basically do a, where a, you a, just sit around and get eat food. We'll do a Thanksgiving podcast without Matt whilst he's celebrating it, so me and Josh can <laughs> slag off yeah. the Americanisms of having Thanksgiving. Maybe yeah. that'll be a feature. Well, um, one thing I'd I like to do is analyze Ant Man's picks <laughs> from. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, do a breakdown of Ant Man. Anyway, carry on. Carry on <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we're not just going to completely drop off. We'll you know take breaks here and there, but uh, we've got interviews in the works um yeah we've got stump bunnos planned uh you know fantasy drafts we're gonna do uh an episode where we break down the well you got to do final season grades yeah um we have to do yeah winter testing we'll have uh probably an episode where we break down the three champions and you know go through their seasons We'll, we'll be having yeah, a lot more. Like, like, it's quite yeah, it's quite vague at the minute. But when we start planning mm-hmm. podcasts and whatnot into the off season, obviously there'll be there'll be a lot more planning going into the off season because at the minute it's a case of if we have time for an off week podcast, we base it around the news and then do something as well as. But yeah. other than that, it's kind of a race weekend podcast, and it's quite obvious what we're going to talk about. Um, so at the minute it's quite vague in terms of what we want to do and we spoke about it um, between the three of us but in the off season it'll it'll be a lot more in depth in terms of we won't just be sitting here and going right so what have you been up to this week Josh like you know there will actually be Mm -hmm. some some structure to it and some some good things to be to be doing so it's definitely worth tuning in Mm -hmm. for when the season's finished because we will be covering everything in terms of MotoGP and more and sort of don't know. Maybe maybe we'll get a few more people involved in the off season that continue to listen to us and whatnot, and then yeah, feed it definitely. into the next year and and stuff like that, and plan for twenty twenty two. So you know, obviously we'll have like a probably do a Christmas special leading up to Christmas to release yeah. around that sort of time. Mm-hmm. Um, do uh, yeah, like kind of uh, news roundup still. I'll, I'll plan that in as well. Yeah, obviously, a big one, a big bumper one will do is what me and Matt did right at the very start is pre 2022 is like a massive mm. kind of preview yeah um, and, and prediction and a, sort of thing and the predictions like. yeah and see where we end up um testing as well like i said winter testing um yeah. and pre-season testing all uh episodes based around them so there's a lot there's a lot coming up um and so obviously there's, there's as so ma- many different yeah there, there's a lot there's a lot to cover but it's sort of like going okay with that idea, can we make a podcast out of yeah. it? And it's not necessarily like we could chuck a lot of them in, but it, to intertwine them all sometimes might not feel like the right thing mm. to do necessarily. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll definitely get around to it, and I, I am I am genuinely really looking forward to the off season because of that. I think if I didn't have the podcast, I'd probably just sit here and cry every weekend that I've not got anything. <laughs> so now I've got two other people to sit there and cry with me about not having. Uh, having a race weekend obviously we've got f1 and whatnot but this is a MotoGP podcast so we kind of have to keep it mm-hmm. a little bit more yeah um relevant to what we're talking about but obviously that will probably come into conversation but but for anyone listening that is still with us at this point um not confirmed god speed to you. <laughs> yeah godspeed to you fair play if you are i know i, I know he's referencing but he, he will i know for a fact he'll message me armo will be listening at this point the man Mm-hmm. committed number one fan of this year i swear to god he listens to every episode fair play to him um 
But no, not confirmed yet, but in the works, and like Matt said, and in the pipeline, some very, very, very good um, contacts, let's just say, mm-hmm. in, uh, for a podcast our size and a podcast that, I mean, you two can kind of develop what I'm saying here because you guys obviously, I mean, Josh, you you kind of found it with Matt and, and whatnot, and I sort of just got asked to come and join, and now there's three of us, I suppose, but for a podcast our size and whatnot and what we kind of do and try and churn out and you know we, we've we've been really consistent with it to say that we're in talks with the names that we're in talks with i would have never expected that ever no, like at the, at the start of the year i remember no. i remember off air when we used to use anchor to record and we were like oh yeah we'll clip this bit and everything we'd we'd not even like seen put face to face or anything like that um mm-hmm. And I remember saying to Matt, like, oh, yeah, my goal would be to get a guest on. And Matt was like, there's no way we'd get a guest on. We're too small. And I was like, <laughs> all right, watch me. <laughs> so knowing what we know is is good. I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad mm-hmm. that I'm sure Matt is glad that that has been proven to be right. Well, and just the fact that we've been able to get people like Matt Dunn and Fran Wild on. Yeah, yeah. Which just people on the outside who... might be like, but they're not riders. But like in this world, you know, they're they're some great names to have, mean? and they they are they've yeah. been great to chat to as well. Like I've yeah. genuinely mm-hmm. really enjoyed like the small things that might not really be relevant. Learning about background, the, the two we've spoken to came from a background isn't OGP. You know, we've got World Superbikes and right. an F1 fan that were F1 in the most prominent company in MotoGP. So it's. You know, it's just things like that that you 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 uh, you pick up and you find quite interesting to me anyway. But um, we we know the names that we've kind of got lined up, and we've briefly spoke about some things. And yeah, I'm very very excited for what's to come. Very excited. And oh, for sure. Um, there's certain na- there's a there's a certain name included in a lot of names. I'm very excited for, but I think I've said before the one guy that might. If I was to give a clue, it'd be like the childhood one that I've mentioned on the um, on the microphone. That's mm. all I'll say. That mm. that to me would be yep. that would be big. That would be big for me. That'd be huge. But yeah, I don't know. What what were your expectations for it, Josh? Really, looking back quickly um, before we sign off. Uh, not much, really. I, I just sort of like a wing it. Thing. I, yeah, I guess guess starting it. I thought to myself, hang on a minute. You know the. If you look at F1 podcasts, there's got a metric shit ton of F1 kind of fan podcasts out there, mm-hmm. which is really good. But you look at MotoGP fan podcasts beyond like the professional professional ones, there's not really that many. Um, I'm trying to think of... Oh, there's definitely one in the UK. I can't remember the name of it now. Um, I know there's Chase in the Racing, but that's not really a MotoGP one. It's more just a no, bike-related um, one. Oh, let me think of the name because I might as well give him a little kind of plug. And there's everything um, motor racing uh, podcast as well, who's run by a UK-based um, thingy. But everything not... motor racing, yeah. Um, oh, for the love of MotoGP, yeah. Um, that's two guys. They they do quite a good one. Um, that are based in Britain. But really, in terms of amateur ones, there's not all that many on the MotoGP front, and I thought it'd be quite good to have more. Just have another angle of that. Um, and good to chat with people and do stuff, you know, with it. Um, so that's where it kind of stemmed from. Um, and I thought of the name and then thought, well, I've got to use this. Yeah. I, will. I so. mean, it's it's so weird because I, I remember, like, 
I stumbled across your podcast kind of like accidentally in a way because I remember just searching ironically for the same thing in like how many fan podcasts are there and I think somebody liked the tweet of a red sector tweet or whatever and I was like oh give it a listen and I always remember listening to the one of the first two episodes and you guys were like who's Saku's teammate yeah and you were we... sitting there for like five <laughs> minutes and I, I was sitting there like Hi, and then I remember Matt being like, I think it's George Martin. And I was like, kill me. Just kill me now, please. (laughs) Kill me. You you were like, is this what we have to offer? (laughs) I was like, this is the peak of uh, MotoGP insight. Yeah. But, um, and I think I messaged you out the bloom was like, oh yeah, great podcast or whatever. And then the next thing was like, do you want to come on that podcast? Do you want to come on because we're lacking knowledge? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, like, um... I, I can genuinely say without being like, too, this is not like being soppy or everything like that. But like, I, I've, I know, I didn't even think we'd necessarily keep it up, like in a way, mm. like even like the off week things, it's not like we've got a bullet to our head to do. Some weeks we don't because we're busy. Yeah. You know, we, we have very busy schedules and whatnot and very clashing schedules, especially with the time zone and, and whatnot yeah that's but, a, that's one big challenge isn't it yeah challenge. yeah so to say with mm-hmm. that and obviously we're not you've got to remember as well from a listener's point of view we're not all in the same like period of our life like matt's not mm. at uni i'm at uni josh is not you know josh doesn't have two kids matt has two kids i don't have anything like that it's, it's you know there's very very different lifestyles so in terms of like getting them all to match and sit here for two hours is what people see but to actually plan and sort of come yeah. together and do different bits and bobs and be on the same page with everything and you know it, it doesn't seem like a lot and it's not to the outside looking in but like to say that we've kept it going and whatnot um yeah kind of surprised me really because I, I I never really knew where it would go and I'm in the mindset of like when we're not even getting started sort of thing yeah it's gonna it's, it's gonna go from strength to strength definitely it's gonna oh. keep on going and I think uh, like keep banging on about it but in a sense that uh, i'm thinking i feel like MotoGP on this like twitter sphere on on social media is it's still got Probably. all the room to grow and it is becoming more popular and if if the amazon prime is even yeah fraction, i was thinking about this earlier yeah with the amazon thing you know what drive to survive is even a fraction of it we should see more growth and you know we should see more interaction with the podcast and Maybe you yep. might see other fan podcasts spring up, which will be, yeah. I think, a good thing. Um, For sure, yeah. So, yeah. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't see it as like, yeah, I, I was just about to say, we, <laughs> I, know, I know it's all like jokes and whatnot, like, I, I don't even see it as, as competition, really. I, I see it as more the merrier and even people that, that do listen to our podcast, even if they say, you know, I've listened to one and I've not had time to listen to another or I've only listened to one, I've only ever listened to the one that you've recently put out. I don't see that as like, oh, well, I don't, view you as much as i do someone that mm. listens to every single podcast any view or listen or whatever is more than appreciated and any interaction with anything is appreciated because at the end of the day we do it for the love of the sport we we come together and chat and we have a laugh you know for a couple hours every week but to see other people then kind of feed off that's really good i i love the fact that people will comment on what we've said and you know kind of give a shit really sometimes yeah. like someone actually cares every week to tune in to listen to me talk why like what do you know what I mean? it's, you said, like, it, it's odd to see it's odd to see the listener count slowly go up yeah with each, yeah. With each passing episode it's weird because you you, you kind of don't think you're doing enough 
to to deserve mm. more listeners. But yeah, here we are. As long as it's on the way up, even if it's a, a small bit every week or a massive bit, then following week after that, going up is going up. So yeah, exactly. you know, it's um, yep. been really good. A uh, good note to end it on, really, I suppose. Yeah, but just, just, um, yep. just keep on, keep on chugging away. But to to me, it's not, it's not work or anything. The only, the only, the only painful part, and I'll just add this on. The only painful part for me <laughs> is is that Matt and Josh don't have to edit the podcast, so having to sit there and listen to myself. I've had Chat. to edit the podcast. Yeah, so. for like a few, but now they're like, you know, when when I sit there and I'm listening to me talk for two hours and I'm like, why am I talking for so long in certain sections? Oh, God, I sound awful. Oh, God, <laughs> I'd, I'd be bored listening to this. And then I get people messages and they're like, you know, great podcast or like, oh, I listen to that or yeah, yeah, whatever. And I'm like, how? Like, I, I was bored shitless listening to myself but in fact it, it, you don't like no one likes <laughs> listening to themselves but you know i might sit no. there and edit certain parts of it because they need editing because they've been clipped out or whatever and i'm like call up so be thankful you don't have to listen to yourself josh because you've you've not yeah, had to usually... do that so maybe one day me and matt will just go yeah you'll edit it then josh maybe yeah all right I'll, we'll I mean, see you later then. <laughs> most of the times after a podcast i'm in bed but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you're in bed matt's just having tea or whatever because it's like five o'clock and he's messaging me like you need to sleep and i'm like but the podcast <laughs> bono's just being a typical uni student and staying up to like four in the morning every single night but to be fair josh, I, do, I, I do graft like i, I you know i'll oh, be up till oh, four yeah. and I'll, I'll be up in the i'll be up in the morning first thing for lectures and everything and then if matt messages me at any time of the day unless i'm driving or whatever I, i'll be like yeah, yeah i'll do it i'm like yeah, yeah i'll do that yeah oh yeah let's do this like <laughs> matt messaged me i know we've we, we, we are going to finish in a sec but matt messaged me in the um in my server i think it was and put um oh bunno where's this from it just random picture in this magazine of a random <laughs> picture and i was like oh it's portamal first uh, the portamal round this year turned five lap one and he's like it's lap two and I was like, oh, oh, right. <laughs> but like, it, you know, it's just that sort of thing that's just like, it can be so out of the blue, but I'll always be pretty active and whatnot. So, which is why I do say mm-hmm. for people messaging us and whatnot, like genuinely any interaction is appreciated I'm, I'm, on my behalf. And I think I speak on Matt and Josh as well. Like any interaction is great. So more the merrier. And let's hope that going into the off season, we can have, a few good podcasts because it's looking like we've got a few good lined up. So yeah, yeah. So uh, that'll do it for today's episode. Uh, we'll be back next week to wrap up the season. You know, here's hoping for a good Moto Two race. It's all we have <laughs> left. So with that, keep the throttle pinned.